Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Security Token Show. I'm your host, Kyle Sondland, joined with my co-host, Herwig. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. And I'm really excited about today's episode. We had our, our initial launch last week with episode one, which detailed the SEC regulations. And, and this week, we're going to be talking about public securities issuing security tokens, which is very exciting. But before we get into that, Herwig, what's going on with you this week in security tokens? Well, I just uh, launched and published yesterday the uh, new Q2 security token infrastructure investment report. For those of you who didn't see our, our first quarter, we did a comprehensive deep dive on all of the security token infrastructure companies that have actually raised outside capital. We're talking about the issuance platforms, the compliance companies, the media companies, the exchanges, and more. Uh, and for those who didn't catch it, you know, we had about a total of a half billion dollars invested from outside capital all across the world. Uh, and Q2 was definitely a little lighter, Kyle. Um, you know, we, we recorded roughly 25 to $35 million raised from security token infrastructure companies. T-Zero raised another $5 million. We have Provenance, which raised a $20 million private round. Um, but overall, you know, it's not necessarily a surprise because we did anticipate that a lot of the hype and focus around fundraising for this industry was earlier in the year and the, the latter end of 2018. Uh, so now these companies are hard at work deploying capital, looking to hit KPIs so that most likely towards later in the end of the year or early next year, we're going to see those same companies raise again. We also do have a couple of notable companies raising money as well. So there's definitely some, some stuff to check out. I also think that we had some really positive security token news over the last week or two weeks or three weeks. So potentially moving into Q3, Q4, we're also going to see additional momentum in the fundraising side of the, the entire industry. I hope that's the case, Kyle, and we're definitely going to be covering that for you in Q3 in October. But what about you, Kyle? How's it going? Well, it's been great. We, we launched last week with our podcast. We're super excited about this and, and appreciate everyone listening in. We generated a really positive reception, and I've had some, some great conversations via Twitter, uh, with specifically with, with Whale Street discussing issuance platforms in T0 and how they are going to integrate other issuance platforms versus using their own. And I appreciate the feedback I've gotten from others as well on the podcast and giving suggestions, comments, and even sending articles. So if you have anything that you'd like to conversate with me about regarding something we discuss in the podcast or whether it's suggestions for new podcast episodes or corrections if we missed something or, or didn't quite have the full scoop, feel free to, to reach out to me on Twitter at Kyle Somlin or Herwig. Uh, what's your handle? Uh, on Medium or on on Medium, you produce most of your content. Yeah, so I'm actually not very active on Twitter. For those of you who do want to follow me, it is Belgian wig, but you're not going to get a lot out of me. Do follow me on LinkedIn though, and and I'll happily to connect as well there. You do have a lot of great conversations that way as well. So yeah, a lot of great content. So thank you everybody for for that. And uh, I'm thinking we can get right into it. What's new in the security token market? Yeah, there's been a lot of news. Um, let me just dive right in here with the first one. Crypto exchange Huobi is actually launching its own public blockchain. They're calling it Finance Chain. Uh, I actually, Kyle, did some of my trading back in the ICO days uh, on Huobi. So I don't know about you, but I'm very familiar with the exchange. Mm -hmm. Uh, they have been making a lot of moves as well as globally. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Huobi actually translates to currency, mon mon monetary value. Uh, so that's a little interesting. They are based out of Singapore, but originally a Chinese company. Um, and what they have said is that basically mainstream blockchain systems such as Bitcoin, Ethereum, EOS are lacking comprehensive support for regulation and compliance specifically limiting their use in the compliance market, which we all know is referencing towards security tokens as well as the you know fragmented and sort of very unknown rules around digital assets and the like around the world. Uh, so they expect that finance chain is going to be tackling a lot of these problems with KYC solutions and other security token regulation protocols. Uh, they have actually announced that the testnet will be available in early 2020, and they're actually going to be open sourcing the code in Q3 of this year. Uh, so I think it's very interesting. So this is also very interesting because of the fact that these are large crypto exchanges. And I've seen rumors around other crypto currency exchanges maybe transitioning into the digital asset or security token space. What's your perspective on that? 
That's a really great question, Kyle. Um, uh, let me think. I, I see. I have actually no doubt that a lot of the crypto or ICO or utility token digital asset exchanges, if you will, are going to transition into security tokens, whether it's a full transition or whether it's adding support in the more likely scenario. Uh, you know, I think we're going to see companies like Coinbase, which the CFO has announced their you know interest in security tokens, as well as the fact that the company bought a, a broker dealer uh, last year. Uh, we have uh, LA Token that has been talking a lot about security tokens. You know, even globally, Binance uh, and many of the other major crypto exchanges have suggested and uh, stated that they will be supporting security tokens. So, I mean, to answer your question, I think absolutely yes, we're going to see some of these traditional crypto exchanges convert and transition and offer security token support. I actually think that you're totally right. I'm in, I'm in full agreement with that. And I, I do see that there's precedent in this. We saw in the tech bubble or following the tech bubble, there were many acquisitions of exchanges here in the United States, at least, where I think there was close to 10 or 11 exchange securities, public securities exchanges that were acquired following 2005 or so up until around 2017 when the last one occurred. And so the New York Stock Exchange, the CBOE, and NASDAQ in particular, those three were, were very active in acquiring exchanges and building their, their listings. So we may see something similar, whether it's through joint ventures, which we'll actually get into later in the podcast, or through acquisition that some of these, these larger crypto exchanges will either enter the space or be absorbed by a different player in the space to, to account for this. The, the 2020s are going to be an active M&A uh, scene for crypto, security token exchanges, and even the traditional incumbents that you just referenced. Um, and speaking of uh, you know, the CEO calling out some of these public blockchains here, we've got another article that supports uh, an interesting trend uh, Ethereum tokens are now going to be trading on the Swiss stock exchange via R3 Tech. For those of you not familiar with R3, they're actually the development company behind Corda, a private blockchain. And what they are doing, they are, a quote unquote from the article, passporting some of these Ethereum tokens representing a company called Blockstate. Uh, and actually having them be issued on the Corda chain in order to trade on the Swiss stock exchange, and specifically their digital uh, exchange. Uh, and for those of you who are familiar with GDRs or Global Depository Receipts, which is a function that allows foreign companies to essentially issue shares of certificates for purchase on public exchanges, this is a very similar uh, you know, mechanism that they're doing. Uh, so the reason that the Swiss Stock Exchange actually says that they are doing this is most likely one, they, they chose R3 as their blockchain development partner, but also because they say they are trying to actually remove uh, the barriers and actually make it easier for institutions to trade with them. So what they actually said was that, you know, Ethereum wallets are complicated. There are custody issues with it. Uh, and the reality is, is the institutions that are trading on their market do not care for that. And so Corda has been a nice solution, a hybrid way to, to make those Ethereum-based security tokens available uh, on the Swiss Stock Exchange, and I, I, I bet we can expect to see a lot more types of security tokens now find a way to get more liquidity now through potentially this avenue. It's great. It's great. I know that, that MetaMask has been integrated in some of the U.S. exchanges here, and I've heard that there are some difficulties with investors using MetaMask, or, or if you don't know what MetaMask is, just it's a plugin that allows you to access and trade these tokens. And so I know that there certainly has been some, some user experience issues leveraging some of the current solutions. So this, this platform is looking to alleviate that process by providing something that's maybe more familiar. It's nothing but good things for the industry. Next up uh, uh, in the news chain here, I see that Securitize made a pretty big announcement. They actually have taken their DS token protocol, their, their compliance protocol for their security tokens, and they've gone open source. Nice. So you can actually go and check this out. That's right. Um, uh, you know, why they did it uh, is to actually, you know, much in the way that many projects like to open source themselves, is to try and develop a community and an ecosystem around their protocol. So the DS protocol, you know, essentially layers in all compliance functionality and, and it asset issue and management uh, technology 
so that you can then say build a DAP or a decentralized app uh, that can actually plug in and interact with that security token, whether it's in the form of access or whether it's creating, you know, being able to participate into something. You can actually see platforms, security token platforms and projects building on Ethereum using the ST, the DS uh, token protocol. Uh, for security token functionality. And uh, that is a very exciting move. It's one that uh, is very common in the crypto world, uh, but less so in the you know, uh, private uh, equity world and venture capital world. So uh, I think this is definitely a very interesting move. What do you think, Kyle? It, it's great. I think that, that in terms of a compliance protocol, what we're seeing is each individual issuer's building their own or feeling the need that, that they need to create their own kind of protocol or, or, or build their own blockchain. And, and maybe that's not always the answer. It's certainly very resource intensive and, and there may be some value that, that uh, one particular company provides that re- requires or allows rather other issuance platforms to work on something else, right? I think this is kind of the hope behind something like a Libra that we talked about before with Facebook and potentially making this a separate um, foundation and so with Securitize making this open source, I think that they're kind of saying, "Hey, let's all work on this together and build something, and, and stop wasting our time building the same things over and over, and instead move forward to something else." So I, uh, I'm excited. I think that this is a this is a good move, and uh, and one that's the most productive for our industry. Definitely a great move for the Ethereum community, which is what it is based on. So you know, I think you know, even though it's already the the so so called leader of uh, security tokens being issued on this blockchain. Chain. I think you know Securitize doing this is only going to help create even more projects and a larger community uh, around Ethereum and security tokens. Mm-hmm. Uh, somewhat related is uh, Ami Ben David, one of the founders of Spice VC, a previous founder of Securitize and also the founder of Onera, a security token blockchain. Uh, actually recently came out with a, an opinion article on Coindesk. You should definitely go check out and read it. It's called Billions to Trillions, Crypto Assets and the Inevitability of Digitization. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It's uh, Ami Ben David, uh, who for those of you who don't know, um, is actually has kind of been given the name the godfather of security tokens. He was very, very early on in the space. I remember talking to him about uh, investing in Spice VC before even Securitize had spun out. Um, and now he's you know very focused on Onera and, and helping build out you know a blockchain completely dedicated towards security tokens. Uh, you know, I, you should definitely check out why he believes there there is inevitably going to be this uh, you know tokenization of assets and securities, and I, and I think uh, he's spot on. Next up, another very interesting article. Uh, David Solomon recently in France in an interview. So, you know, luckily it's been translated for us. <laughs> uh, it's mentioned that Goldman Sachs and Verified is looking in to using blockchain to digitize assets. Uh, And that is a major move because Goldman Sachs, both in the security token industry as well as simply in finance, uh, is a major mover and player. Uh, Kyle, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think it's really interesting. Um, I think that that you and I and certainly everyone listening knows the impact that, that these private security laws are going to have on traditional investment banking models and, and how our exemptions and, and the involvement of security tokens has already you know, led to potentially billions of dollars at this point through crowdfunding and through security tokens and the infrastructure around all of it. Billions of dollars raised in, in non-traditional methods and that's only going to grow. And so... Goldman Sachs obviously is looking into how this is going to either affect their business model or how they can get ahead of something like this. I think for me, the very interesting piece that we'll see is that JP Morgan announced they were releasing a stable coin back to, to the US dollar. And, and, and again, as we mentioned earlier in this podcast and the last one, Facebook is doing something similar. Um, and then there's a cryptocurrency called Ripple XRP that's also supposed to aid in interbank transfers. So it's going to be very interesting to see how all of these huge players interact in the space. And right. so JP Morgan is a competitor to Goldman Sachs in the sense of they are working on in the same industry and they're both older traditional institutions looking to, to stay modern and stay into the digital age and, and be able to pivot their business models slightly. And so it will be interesting to see is JPM coin adopted by Goldman Sachs? Or are they going to create their own 
Goldman Sachs coin? Is that productive to have everyone building the same things as we just talked about with Securitize? This is all very interesting kind of clash of the titans moments that we're going to be able to see, especially since JPM coin is supposedly launching by the end of 2019. At this level and scale, first mover's advantage isn't always the best thing. Uh, and you know, Goldman Sachs has had the luxury of sitting back, researching, uh, and figuring out what their play is, and you know, typically a secretive company. So we are excited uh, to see what they come out with. Uh, the, the Coin Telegraph article mentioning that you know JPM will pilot. Uh, by 2019 is kind of putting a, a clock to, to Goldman Sachs to say, hey, what are you doing? And, and you just brought up some interesting points. Uh, for example, you know, JPM coin is designed to be an institution to institutional uh, currency to trade a stable coin uh, and make it easier and reduce the costs and, of course, have more transparency through the whole process. And that's exactly what Ripple uh, was what came, came to market and touting what, what its value is. So it's interesting to see how is JP Morgan going to compete against something like Ripple, which supposedly also has a lot of banking and, and enterprise partners involved with it. Uh, and then Libra, which is not necessarily designed uh, to be a stable coin for institutions, but more a, a retail tool for, you know, doing cross-border transactions and peer-to-peer -peer transactions to start. Uh, but where does it end? I, you know, I could totally see Facebook eventually trying to make Libra the currency of all currencies and banks being one of those uh, to use them. So, uh, you know, and then that leaves the whole open field of security tokens. And is Goldman Sachs going to develop their own issuance platform or do their own exchange or do something else? It's, it's all possible, Kyle. And so for, for a behemoth like Goldman Sachs, it's certainly where we'll be We'll be on our eye on them to see what they come out with. And so, yeah, that, that I totally agree with everything. And so maybe they are the, the, they kick off the acquisition and maybe they see some highly valued crypto assets or security token rather assets in, in terms of companies and say, hey, you know what? Instead of us starting from scratch, we're going to immediately become the largest players in the space by making a big time acquisition. Yeah, I, I think for all of those reasons, Kyle, they're actually going to be my company of the week. Goldman Sachs, you know, the, the, if they can do something big, just this announcement alone is going to have people stirring and, and people wondering what's going on. So uh, I'm excited to see what they come up with uh, in the future. And so for sure, previous to my, my last week with Coinbase, I'm always looking for companies that are able to really move this industry forward. Uh, moving on, we have the Association of Online Investment Platforms, so the uh, oh, <laughs> not, sure, not sure if it's a very easily readable one, but a very good organization indeed. They issued a policy paper recommending improvements to the crowdfunding rules. I'm sorry, I had to try to get that joke in there. Uh, but the, the AOP's mission is to build sustainable online investment industry that democratizes finance for everyone. So the, the, this is a brand new organization that came out, but it's founded by four major firms. Seed Invest, uh, which was acquired very recently, uh, Republic, uh, which is a you know extension of AngelList, Micro Ventures, and Nexseed, both of which are also leading crowdfunding portals, all came together to build out this this uh, group uh, to basically focus on improving the Reg CF, the regulation crowdfunding exemption. And a lot of criticism has been uh, about this offering for a long, long time, really ever since it came out. Um, and as we mentioned last week, th this timing is not random. The SEC just came out with their request for harmonizing uh, the private exemption securities framework. So you know, the, the timing is, is perfect. And just so you know, there's a lot more beyond this, but they, I support everything that they have mentioned in their, their letter. They, this includes things like raising the cap from 1 million to 10 million, removing any kind of audit or reviewed financials requirement, something that you know, costs money for a startup, which is raising money to get off the ground in the first place, uh, can be prohibitive. 
Uh, and even the creation of an innovation tax exemption, which is something that I know Kyle is also a big proponent of, but I am as well, but mostly for venture capital and, and early stage businesses in general. Uh, this is a, a key, key way to, to make investors more desirable for this type of an asset. Uh, and there's a lot more in there, so I encourage you to check it out and voice your support uh, as well. And you know, this is the type of stuff the industry needs to do in order to get the SEC to actually respond and reform. And that's why we're doing our own letter. We, we hope to have that out very soon uh, and have your support alongside with that. Yeah, totally. It's exciting. It's exciting because the SEC is listening. They're, they're trying to, to be forward here, and, and we'll see what we can do. And so on the same topic with the Boston Security Token Exchange, they announced that they're seeking an SEC rule change as well. And so the Boston Security Token Exchange, if you've never heard of it before, it's actually formed as a joint venture 50-50 between Box Exchange and T0. It was announced in May 2018. And so T0, as we know, is, is a subsidiary of Overstock.com, which is a public company on the New York Stock Exchange. And with T0 partnering with Box Exchange, which is, is working towards fully automated trade clearances and settlement, they launched this Boston Security Token Exchange and released a 400-page rule suggestion that they submitted to the SEC publicly, which outlines specific limitations to them in terms of trading security tokens on their exchange. And so just another example of someone trying to push thought leadership and we'll see how the SEC responds. Certainly 400 pages is incredibly dense, so I'm not expecting a response anytime soon. But this could be, again, one of those situations where a favorable decision here or, or, or getting the attention of the regulators in terms of the things that are holding our industry back that were not intended from the launch and, and, and things that don't have negative connotations or consequences, I think is incredibly valuable. So kudos to them for launching that. There, there's always been a lot of scrutiny on the U.S., even on crowdfunding, but especially on crypto and even security tokens on you know their regulatory reform or forward thinkingness, right? Uh, but you know, from what I see here, there's a clear, cohesive industry voicing support to a very open-minded SEC requesting you know, feedback. So I, I agree with you, Kyle. This is, again, this is why we made this last week's episode's theme. Again, this is super exciting to see more and more regulatory action coming from U.S. companies and groups. That being said, I think this is an interesting deep dive look into T-Zero. Uh-huh. And so I haven't spoken with them recently, um, but there certainly has been some criticism of their launch of their security tokens exchange because of the fact that they're working with a traditional trading platform, Dinosaur, which is only open from nine to five, Monday when, or Monday through Friday rather, and they're only trading their T0 tokens. They haven't expanded past that while their competitors certainly are, are exploring other options and, and many more token listings. And we haven't seen a ton of, of noise from them in terms of scaling this platform that they've raised over a hundred million dollars for and people were very excited about and we still haven't seen a ton of progress on the t-zero exchange side and so considering they are 50 50 joint venture owners in this boston security token exchange and this boston security token exchange is having difficulties trading security tokens I'm wondering if there's also some incentive here from T0 as, hey, we're having these issues too, and Boston Securities Token Exchange is a, is a good way that we can also help support this mission to, to clear up regulation or to speed up compliance or, or whatever issues that they're currently experiencing over there at T0. This is only backed, unfortunately, by their announcement four days ago. They, they were very excited. They made a big announcement about T0 and their mobile trading app. And when they announced this mobile trading app, Herwig, you and I were, were incredibly excited, right? This is, a, this is a step in the right direction in terms of being able to allow mobile security token trading. But what was wrong with it? I, I saw that online in, in STM News. I read the title and I'm thinking, Robin Hood for security tokens. This is great. You know, you're going to be able to do everything from your phone. It's awesome. No, it's, it's not quite uh, what, what that is, is it? Unfortunately, they're only available or only allowing cryptos to be traded specifically bitcoin and ethereum so this is just another onboarding ramp from fiat to crypto which is i guess good for the crypto industry but 
I didn't see there to be a huge need for this, certainly in the security token industry, but even in the crypto industry, there are so many ways now to buy Bitcoin and to buy Ethereum, whether it's through Coinbase, whether it's through Gemini or you know, a plethora of other providers. This is, doesn't seem to be a real need right now. And so I just, I wonder why they weren't able to include their own security token offering in this mobile platform. And I wonder how long it's gonna take before they're able to do that. Moving forward, um, you know, I think that they need to work on, on pushing the mobile trading and as well as expanding the offerings that they have on their exchange. They're, they're only trading the T0 equity at this point, and that's just not what we were expecting. They, they published slides that we've discussed at length on their own issuance platform as well as third-party issuance platforms. We know that there are security tokens that are being issued at this time, and so they need to, to start thinking about really being a mature exchange and trading other tokens um, uh, I for, see for the value well. in trying to capture the, the consumer to give them all the, the foray of options, but you know, T0 is meant to be the security token exchange, so it's certainly the mobile app focused on crypto is, is not necessarily in line with that messaging. Um, moving on, I know there is a big report uh, that STO check came out, our friend Stefan. Uh, Kyle, I know you did a dive into this, so what did you learn? Yeah, so Stefan at STO Check, they were promoting their security token market report, which is good quantitative information detailing in their experience what they're seeing from their deal flow in terms of, of projects that have launched as well as sales that have closed and, and total money raised. And so it's definitely an interesting report that you can find on their platform in which they identify 57 projects launched and almost $200 million in money raised. I will have to note that, that this information seems to be incomplete at, at STO Market, our, our platform. We do have over 225 security token offerings that we're tracking and monitoring. Um, but, but I still think that this is great data from them and their team. Um, and so I definitely would recommend you check it out and see they, they ran, um, they created charts on which STO industries are looking like, what their investment um, types are in terms of the actual instrument. They detail some of the largest projects in terms of employers or amount raised. Again, I don't know the, the fully you know, comprehensiveness of this information, but again, this is their, from their self-reported information from their platform, which is fantastic. And they do polls and, and, and other you know, information quantitatively that, that I think is good to check out and, and gives you a, a good idea of the market from, from an additional perspective. Awesome. That sounds great. Uh, 2030, in other news, is actually considered one of the first movers of tokenized equity in the UK, having a relationship also with the London Stock Exchange. Uh, the, this is another one of those sort of institutional moves. We know there's a lot of activity going on in the UK, a lot of equity issuances, and 2030 itself uh, actually ha has been around. Uh, it's raised quite a bit of venture money. And them being able to create a relationship with the LSE and eventually list these security tokens with them, I think it's a, it's a powerful move. It's as if someone said that they're going to be you know, partnering up with the New York Stock Exchange to do the very same thing. Uh, so that's extremely exciting, especially because they do have the FCA approval. Uh, you know, that is the SEC equivalent in the UK. And the CEO is planning to expand uh, to other exchanges. I know Hong Kong, Canada, maybe other places, as well as working on a broker-dealer in the U.S. market. Uh, so I'm excited to see what their issuance technology. I know they have a company called Token Factory in their portfolio and, and what, what other technologies they're bringing together to be able to work with top-tier exchanges and make security tokens a real thing. And from there, I think we can transition into our fundraising security token news. And from one FCA-approved issuance platform to another, the token market announcement of their security token offering will go live on July 8th. And they are a crowdfunding platform who has assisted in over $240 million, or euros rather, in fundraising for over 30 companies now. And they're raising an equity token for their platform it's an impressive video and a good platform, so definitely check that out if you're interested. Additionally, BlockSafe, which is a cybersecurity firm, is doing an STO. It's currently live through September. They're doing a $16 million 
Reg D and Reg S offering. So it's available for both domestic U.S. investors as well as international investors. Blockstack is a decentralized computing network. They're testing the waters with a Reg A plus offering for a security token, which is fantastic, except Herwig, unfortunately with security tokens, we still haven't seen a Reg A plus offering been approved. No, as we mentioned last week, still hasn't happened, hasn't happened this week, uh, you know, but they are allowed to test the waters and the SEC encourages companies to, you know, go through the framework. And Reg A plus is important because non-accredited investors can participate in this offering. That's right. They can buy and sell Reg A plus tokens and you can raise up to $50 million. So this is a legitimate exemption in terms of the funding that you can raise and, uh, it will be groundbreaking once once this gets approved because now it really opens up the security token industry to to all investors just like public securities markets. I remember reading about Blockstack and you know they might have a little bit more of a shot than others perhaps with getting approval because I do remember they had Harvard Endowment Fund being as one of the the supporters of Blockstack. So I think that certainly gives it a little bit of credibility uh, and then hopefully helps them you know get that SEC approval. Again, all we're looking for is just some guidelines on what they're looking for. Even if they even if they do not approve Blockstack. It's frustrating to see many of these security token offerings sitting in a limbo where we're not sure whether they're going to be approved or if they've already been rejected and it hasn't been announced. But at least knowing what standards they are looking for is going to be crucial moving forward. Definitely something we'll be highlighting to the SEC in our, our letter of feedback to Definitely. Them. On top of that, we have MindBlock, which is a equity security token offering that is actually doing an IEO, an, an initial exchange offering live on July 22nd via the P2P B2B exchange based out of Estonia. And so MineBlock is equity in a pool of mining rigs. So you get the reward or a portion of the reward of the, the miners uh, without having to buy the, the equipment yourself. So you're exposed to some of that crypto without needing to, to shell out for the hardware and the machinery. So interesting offering. We've seen it before. But the IEO for a security token is something that I haven't seen actually go live yet. Maybe T0, I guess, technically, because um, they issued their own token. But this initial exchange offering is an interesting idea, and, and we'll see how that goes through the P2B, P2P, B2B exchange. And Herwig, <laughs> we talked last week. Estonia, just like Malta and, and Seychelles, seems to be trying to do what they can to, to push the industry forward. Truthfully, Kyle, up until now, I, I did not even know about the P2P, B2B exchange out of Estonia. But, um, you know, it, it looks like it must be another exchange, probably focused on crypto and security tokens. Uh, hence this being, uh, you know, an IEO of a security token. So, uh, yeah, you're, you're, you know, again, we're seeing that global trend. This is a major opportunity and Estonia having a history uh, with e-residency and e-citizenship and the like. Definitely, I, I could have expected that uh, they would be one of those countries trying to take advantage of that. They are also based out of the EU, uh, so they do have to, to stay within some guidelines there. Unlike, say, Malta or Seychelles that we mentioned yesterday, Merge, the, the exchange there. Um, so, yeah, that, again, more interesting news. And I'm excited to see how an IEO, like you said, does for a security token. We'll, we'll be keeping our eye on that July 22nd. On top of that, we have Stellaro, who announced their live STO, which is fantastic. We actually... Jonah from our security token market team actually met with Stellaro in Tel Aviv where they have their offices. And Stellaro is an investor passport uh, for onboarding for issuers and they've now launched their live security token offering. It's, it's Spanish regulated, so they're, they're regulated in the Spanish jurisdiction. So uh, just another worldwide example of another country that's, that's now being exposed to these offerings and, and Stellaro is... is uh, it's a good team, and, and they're, they're now live with their offering, which is fantastic, and we'll have to uh, keep our eyes open for how they do. And if you're interested in, in checking out that offering, certainly the, the links are, are included. Very cool. And finally, we're rounding it out with the HIT Foundation. They're launching a security token. They're, they're working in healthcare data, health data, and, and providing submissions of your own health data in exchange for their security token. And it's kind of an incentive model, which is, which is an interesting model. And the security token has rights to the 
transaction fees of the ecosystem. So some portion of the transaction fees that, that help this whole thing run and, and keeps the information on the blockchain, those gas fees that, that they're traditionally called in, in decentralized applications, the, the percentage of those transaction fees will go to the token holders. And uh, it's a Swiss offering, so they're, they're doing it there and, and not in the US, which I think is going to be important because while I'm not a lawyer, the 2000 shareholder cap restriction for private securities here in the US, I think it's going to be a potential problem for the HIT Foundation if they plan to scale and pay all of their users for their health data. In the US you know, laws, it certainly seems like that wouldn't, wouldn't hold water. So they certainly are looking yeah, to use the- There's a lot Europe. of crazy um, healthcare uh, data laws around the US too, so, so maybe they're just focused uh, on Swiss, Switzerland. Great. So at this point, I think it's time to move on to our main topic that we, we highlighted at the beginning of the episode, something that, that I think we're both very excited to talk about. And, and that's the, the application for security tokens in, in public securities and, and how those technologies can intertwine. So in terms of Overstock.com, who sparked this conversation and the idea behind public securities issuing a security token, the Overstock.com platform is one that was an e-commerce platform that, that has, over the last five years, pivoted into the crypto blockchain security token space through the launch of T0, which is their security token exchange. We've talked about it at length here in this episode, and I'm sure that you've heard of it before if you're listening and, and are interested in security tokens. And so they launched T0, and that was kind of their first foray into the security token industry. From there, in 2016, Overstock.com, which is a public company on the stock exchange here in the U.S., as a public company, they raised $11 million in a preferred Series A publicly. So they raised a, another uh, round of funding through, through additional stock that they were issuing out. $2 million of that 11 was actually issued on the Overstock blockchain registry. So they created their own blockchain to transact with these digital assets, which represented a, you know, $2 million of their $11 million raise. So they built their own blockchain. They built their own trading system to, to transact with these, these digital representations of this offering that they raised in 2016 before T0 went live. So now fast forward to 2019 and T0 is live and trading the T0 equity token and Overstock is now looking to recreate that $2 million in digital securities that they had already issued now to be compatible with the T0 exchange. And so what I took from this whole situation is that we've seen this before and so in some of the very first security token offerings, the companies themselves were trying to pave the entire way. They had to build out their own tokens. They had to try to understand the security laws individually. And so there were many different interpretations. And now that we've gotten a lot more funding in the space, much more clarity from the institutions, or, or at least some clarity from the institutions, we've seen a couple of the earliest security tokens reissue or recreate in a one-to-one -one ratio their previous token under a new blockchain or a new mechanism such that it's more compatible now that we've upgraded our entire infrastructure. This is likely something that may happen again in the future for some companies. And it, it's, it's one that it looks like Overstock is doing since they were so early in the space in 2016. This is even before the ICO craze and before almost anyone had heard of cryptocurrencies. They were trying to build their own digital securities. And so now in the last three and a half years and hundreds of millions of dollars in funding later combined for the industry, it looks like they're trying to upgrade that. And so that, I think that that's, that's great. It's very interesting. Herg, what do you think about that? I think Overstock, uh, specifically Dr. Patrick Byrne, who, who runs it, uh, has always been a big advocate. Uh, and they deserve a lot of admiration from us for, for really helping create uh, specifically the digital securities market, but really uh, blockchain markets in general. I know Overstock was one of the very first e-commerce companies to accept Bitcoin. I have a good friend, so to you, Kyle, who I think he has something like a half million dollar coffee table right now because of that little feature. Um, so, uh, you know, they, they've always been active and, and such is clear in 2016 when they did this 
you know, first issuance of its kind. Uh, and and un- undoubtedly, I've also seen uh, Dr. Patrick Byrne speak. They have a, you know, an incredible infrastructure that went behind developing T0 and the ability to help transact digital securities. Um, so now that they're confident enough to do this with overstock shares, uh, I think that that is a sign and a testament to where we've come today since then. Um, and I remember reading that specifically in their, their letter to shareholders that they're doing this for the purposes of removing ownership restrictions and, and allowing for tradability on T0. Um, so, you know, no surprise that their very first issuance was probably built and designed in a way that, that offered very little liquidity. Um, and, and that's why T0 is a fully, you know, equipped marketplace in exchange to, to try and transact these securities. So when, when they do that with the Overstock token, with their now A1 uh, Series A preferred, um, it, it's going to be really exciting because they're showing the market that it's possible. And for a lot of participants who are watching on the sidelines, that's really what they're looking for to see You know, real big companies like this willing to take the risk of transitioning into a security token and seeing what happens. Uh, I also remember reading that, you know, you now have to will transition your, your brokerage to Dinosaur. And so, you know, we certainly have our fair share of criticisms for, for the capabilities of T0. But at the end of the day, you know, this is one step further to creating a, you know, big security token space. And when it comes to public, uh, publicly traded uh, shares, you know, a lot of people, you know, tend to shy away or don't even think that that's part of this industry. But I'm a big believer that all uh, aspects of capital markets are going to be disrupted by security tokens. Uh, T0 is, is leading the, the way in that. Totally agree. I think that you hit on a lot of the points that I was also feeling. And Patrick, Dr. Patrick Byrne references and is directly quoted in the press release as saying that they're trying to lead by example. He references, you know, specific examples in the past of, of the idea that for anyone to do something, for anything to catch on, they need to be able to be the first to lead the way to show that this works. And so for that, I, I'm actually giving my company the week to overstock. I think that Dr. Patrick Byrne is doing everything in his power as a public company CEO who has to answer to his board and his investors. I think that the fact that he's able, been able to accomplish so much in this industry, despite all of the odds stacked against any of us, and, and certainly the answers to many of the short-term questions he's, I'm sure he's had to answer over the last couple of years, I think he's doing great stuff. That deserve, the the deservedly so, Kyle. I think that's a great pick. Um, and it actually reminds me of another company that said the very same thing. We brought them up last week. I think it's fair to bring them up again here on this subject, which was Provenance, right? Provenance also led by example because uh, Mike Cagney, the CEO, knew that uh, you know he wasn't going to be able to get other institutional lenders to leverage his blockchain to issue debt unless he issued his own debt. So he actually launched Figure First as a you know HELOC lender, a home equity line of credit lender. And they I think they've done something like 70 to 80 million in originated on-chain loans to prove the model before they recently thus spun out Provenance to, to try and start targeting the industry. And Provenance also, you know, in the, the, the talk that we referred to last week, Mike mentioned that they are doing an S1. They also intend to go fully public with this with this offering. This one's a little different. We're not taking an existing security token and transitioning it to another security token uh, model here. Um, we're actually talking about doing a, a, a note holder, a note holder, if you will, for a token holder that is part of the blockchain network as if you know we were a part of uh, Ethereum holders or any other type of blockchain holder. Um, and as a result of being one of those holders, you're helping power the network because of a proof of stake model. And instead of trying to go about calling this a utility and trying to sort of take on the SEC, Mike has completely embraced securities laws and has said, okay, great. If I want, you know, the retail world, the retail public to hold my token and I want to be able to offer dividends from people, you know, who hold my token, uh, and we get this as, you know, what we do as a business, which is to be a, a debt issuance blockchain. Well, then you're a security, no, no doubt about it. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how he's going to go about listing this. 
Is it going to be a direct listing because they already have a pre-assigned value to, to how the network is established today? Are they going to do almost uh, you know a traditional IPO roadshow, almost like Libra trying to sign up a lot of big names and lenders and the like to, to leverage their, their blockchain before they go uh, public? Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting. In fact, Mike also mentioned in that very same talk, they were looking to target Q4 of this year. So hmm. between T0 and Provenance, you know, we're already getting a taste of publicly traded security tokens this year. Uh, and I think that's way, way uh, sooner than most people thought. Totally. And it's going to be very interesting to see in the T0 press release, they or the Overstock, rather, press release, they note or they make a, they differentiate between digital offerings and their analog offering counterparts. And so with any of these publicly traded securities versus the security tokens, the, the comparison will be very interesting to see how those trade on their markets and how they're valued by, by institutions and, and the arbitrage opportunities and the, the disconnect um, between those two different things. And, and so it'll be very interesting to see. But moving forward, Herwig, where do you see publicly traded security tokens being used early on? Where are the first use cases you think, aside from the ones that we've mentioned today, that, that you see moving forward? Yeah, no, I, I think we're certainly seeing um, the, the need for being able to, as Overstock, Overstock put it, to you know restrict ownership transfer and make it easier to create a marketplace around your uh, public security, the you know the transparency that can come with that, to be able to leverage programmability, which much of Wall Street has gone very high tech. Um, you know, so the ability to now be able to trade on the this information that could be on chain and having a, a transaction log specifically for more over the counter products um, is is very very uh, compelling and I think we're certainly going to see a lot more use cases of that with T0 helping lead that charge um, I also think on that side note debt markets are a another example of these sort of semi-private markets largely the same few banks and same dealers that are calling each other every day giving different quotes you know a lot of the original uh, 2008 crisis was built on this um, and so I, I think for sure blockchain whether it's in the form of uh, information transparency or even securitization and things like that I think are, are going to see a lot of security token technology early on. What about you? I totally agree. I think that all the, the, the pieces you have identified with improved transparency or, or reduced risk for, for a variety of reasons is only going to lead to an additional flow of capital into the market. And so more people are going to be confident and, and able to invest in more securities. I think it's only beneficial for our industry. It, it frees our global monetary policy and our investment po possibilities. It also is very much going to ease the transition from private to public securities. And so as businesses are able to raise money and get a taste for liquidity for the companies themselves, as well as, as for the investors and, and smoothing that transition from, from traditional private markets to, to public markets, I think is going to be great for, for the international financial system to keep us from being over leveraged in any one industry or, 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 or sector. So I think it's fantastic. And, and moving forward, I think that there's also additional progress that there is to be made and, and maybe not immediate in terms of 2019 or 2020, but leveraging security tokens for CSOP plans and, 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 international trading. We've talked about these a lot together. What do you think about CSOP and, and, and connecting our offline worlds? For, for those of you who don't know, because it's actually not a thing at all, <laughs> it's just we've spoken about it so much. What Kyle is referring to with a CSOP is a customer stock option plan, which doesn't exist at all today. But it's a, a favorite subject of mine because it, it's actually one of those compelling use cases of a publicly traded security token. It allows us to bridge the, the interaction between shareholders and customers, as well as really in general to other worlds. Uh, and in this case, uh, an example could be linking the fact that you own enough shares of this company to earn an automatic rebate towards some of their products or being able to link loyalty programs to, to shareholder benefits. 
and vice versa. So, uh, you know, I think for sure that that's much later on uh, to happen, but those can definitely happen. And, and I agree to your point, you know, it will be easier to transition to a public uh, security, who knows, even potentially globally, uh, because the technology will have made it easier to bypass the, the U.S. markets, we don't know. Um, and even regardless of that, inter-exchange trading globally. So to be able to make it easier and not have to use a GDR uh, and be able to, to have some kind of cross-border standards, cross-regulatory standards for the London Stock Exchange and Hong Kong and Singapore and the U.S. markets all to be able to, to transact together, which will, of course, lead to a more global, liquid uh, market. And to clarify... These certainly are long-term thinking. So certainly with the inter-exchange and global trading, yeah. that really diminishes the, the monetary controls of a government. And so I'm, it's unlikely that we're going to see many changes in Could that be decades, area. right? For, yes, for decades. You look at, at many of the largest economies in Asia as well as, as Europe and the controls that they like to have over those economic systems are, are incredible, incredibly tightly controlled in some places. And so they're not going to be incredibly incentivized to allow that capital to flow freely and to lose lose a lot of those price controls that, that have helped their economies grow so successfully. So it'll be interesting to see that balance over time through uh, just, just kind of another one of those intercontinental political and, and economic discussions that I'm sure we'll be having for, for years. So incredibly interesting. I, I, if you have any other thoughts on that, Herwig, feel free to, to share them. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, the only thing I'll, I'll say is I think you're completely right. You're identifying this theme, right, which is capital markets are now becoming global and financial services, you know, across the board uh, are going to have a huge impact on this. And whether it's small countries and islands trying to, to develop whole new infrastructures for capital markets and whether it's the existing incumbents trying to defend them and evolve with them, uh, we're going to see you know, security tokens without a doubt disrupt uh, all aspects of this. And that's why we're here covering this subject. And we hope that you'll stick with us in next week's episode. So thank you for tuning in. Come back every Tuesday, Tuesday mornings. That's when we're going live with these things each week. Again, feel free to, to reach out to us, whether it's through the YouTube comments or, or reach out to me via Twitter. Certainly check out Herwig's articles. He's consistently posting thought leadership through our Medium channel at Security Token Group, so definitely go check that out. We have articles for all of our subsidiary companies as well as guest featured articles and thought leadership, and it's, it's really where we're trying to, to push all of our content in one place, so certainly feel free to check that out. And, uh, and we'd love any comments or, or feedback, so, so definitely don't hesitate to reach out.